Returning to our Old Testament text. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, where God sent me before you to preserve life. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Last week we looked at Jacob and his sons and the theme of sin or the contagion of sin. We talked about how sin can spread through our families and friends and generations. This week we're going to dial it in and focus on Joseph in particular. And we're going to take a look at the power of faith that's demonstrated in Joseph. By way of introduction, I want to just say a couple things about the nature of faith. For starters, faith is a dynamic thing. It's not a static thing. Faith is not like a light switch, on or off. It's not like we either have faith or we don't. It's more like a dimmer switch, like the kind we have in the back. Faith can be weak and just barely visible, or it could be strong and bright, or it could be anything in between. We can have more or less faith. And we see this in the scriptures. For instance, we see it when Jesus talks to Peter, who's sinking on the waves, and says to him, O man of little faith. Or in today's gospel, when Jesus speaks to the Canaanite woman, and he says, O woman, your faith is great. Or when Jesus teaches his disciples and says, If your brother sins against you seven times in a day, and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. When Jesus teaches this to his disciples, do you remember their response? They say, Lord, increase our faith, knowing that they don't have it in them to have hearts of forgiveness that big. Faith is a dynamic thing, and the measure of one's faith is governed not only by outward circumstances, but by our choices and our actions within those circumstances. So for instance, when we were at camp a few weeks ago, there's a zip line course that runs through the Redwood Forest, about 150 feet above the forest floor, six different runs from treetop to treetop. It's one thing to have faith that the cables and carabiners can actually hold a large bearded dad. It's another thing for the large bearded dad to actually clip in, step off the ledge, and sail through the treetops. Indeed, an exercise in faith. Or let's go back to Peter again in the boat. It doesn't take that much faith to sit in a boat under calm conditions and sunny skies. It takes a little bit more faith to sit in a boat when there's a storm that's starting to brew. But it takes a truckload of faith to trust in Jesus enough to step out of the boat and into the wind and the waves. Faith is dynamic, and circumstances and our responses to them, these are what demonstrate the measure of a person's faith. And finally, faith is powerful. This is the theme for for today, the power of faith. It's easy, tempting even, to think that faith is this flimsy, fanciful, nebulous notion, an illusion, 
of a juvenile imagination, perhaps, kid stuff, incompatible with reality. But remember what our Lord says about faith. He says, if you have it just the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains, he says. Faith is powerful, and as such, a very little bit of genuine faith goes a very long way. The story of Joseph is an incredible display of the power of faith and what God can do with just one person's faith. We left off last week with Joseph, you remember, being sold by his brothers to a band of Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of gold. And so begins roughly 13 years of great adversity in this young man's life. But as we'll see, that adversity does not extinguish Joseph's faith. It only serves to highlight just how strong his faith is and the power of faith. So Joseph is taken to Egypt. He's sold to this guy named Potiphar, who is one of Pharaoh's officers. And even though he's sold as a slave, we're told that the Lord is with him and makes all that he does prosper. Potiphar sees this, and he puts everything he has under Joseph's authority. And we're told that the Lord blesses Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. And then we come to the first great test of Joseph's faith in the form of Potiphar's wife. The scriptures say that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and that Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes on him. She tries to get Joseph to spend some special time with her, shall we say. But Joseph refuses, and he's like, are you kidding me? Your husband has given me everything that he has. And he says, I quote, how could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph is faithful to God, and he resists the temptation. Not just once. If you read it carefully, after his first refusal, the scripture says, and although she spoke to Joseph day after day, and he was there for many days, he would not listen to her to lie with her or to be with her. How easy would it have been for Joseph to succumb to this temptation? None of his family's around, that's for sure. Who would know? She's begging him. But Joseph repeatedly resists the temptation to sin, and he remains faithful to God. So naturally, he gets a gold star, right? Nope. He gets more adversity. One day, as Potiphar's wife is clawing at the poor guy, he weasels out of her grasp, leaving, in my mind, his bathrobe. It says garment, but leaving his garment in her hand. And out of sheer spite and wounded pride, she accuses Joseph of the very sin she's been begging him to commit. And so, for his strong faith in God, Joseph gets thrown into prison. Chapter 2. Even as a prisoner, it says, the Lord is with Joseph. And God continues to make everything that he does prosper. The head prison guard puts under Joseph's authority 
both the prison and all the prisoners and whatever goes on there, the scriptures say. And Joseph remains faithful to God. One day, he sees that two of his cellmates, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and baker, are greatly troubled. And he has compassion on them. This really is a moment of pastoral care for this man. And he goes up to them and he asks them, why are you so sad? And they tell him of these dreams that they've been having. Remember, Joseph is good at interpreting dreams. But before he goes into interpreting them, he gives glory to God. He says, do not interpretations belong to God alone? He then goes on to give the cupbearer some pretty good news and the baker some not-so-good news, if you read the story. And then he asks the cupbearer, he says, hey, when you're in front of Pharaoh, remember me, mention me to him so that I can get out of this prison. Once again, Joseph is faithful. He shows compassion on these two prisoners. He interprets their dreams, giving glory to God. So he gets another gold star, right? Wrong. More adversity. The cupbearer gets out of prison, totally forgets about Joseph. And he remains stuck in prison. It's easy to miss this little detail for two more years. Think August of 2012. Now, after being thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold as a slave in Egypt, locked up in a royal prison for a crime he did not commit, and forgotten there for two years, Joseph finally decides to reject God and become a benevolent atheist. No, he does not. Most men would, though, right? Still, he remains steadfast in his faith. Two years later, Pharaoh starts having funny dreams. The cupbearer remembers the guy Joseph who interpreted his dreams. They go pull him out of prison, and in one of my favorite details, Joseph shaves his beard, demonstrating that he's been in there some time. And Pharaoh says, okay, so I hear you can interpret dreams. And what does Joseph do? First thing, he gives glory to God. It is not in me, he says. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Joseph interprets the dreams, and then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, says, Can we find such a man as this, who has the Spirit of God in him? Pharaoh testifies to the Holy Spirit in Joseph because of his faithfulness. Now comes the gold star. At 30 years of age, Pharaoh makes Joseph ruler over all of Egypt, gives him all of his authority. For the next seven years, he stores up an abundance of grain, in preparation for the following seven years of famine. And when the famine falls on the face of the land, not only does Joseph feed all of Egypt, but all of the nations come, not to Egypt, but the Bible says all the nations come to Joseph to buy grain. We see the incredible power of faith in this one man, Joseph. We see how Joseph cooperates with God. God is consistently with Joseph. In his adversity, Joseph consistently has faith that God is with him, guiding him, blessing him, watching over him. 
even and especially in adversity, which is the time when we're most tempted to abandon God. Because he remains faithful, God blesses Joseph with authority everywhere he goes. He has authority as a slave over Potiphar's home, authority as a prisoner over the whole prison system. He has authority in Pharaoh's court over all of Egypt. Because he remains faithful, God blesses those under Joseph's authority. Potiphar's household is blessed. The prisoners and guards are blessed. All of Egypt, the nations of the world, are blessed. God literally gives life to the world through the great storehouses of grain in Egypt through one man's faith. But here's the punchline. I would argue that the most powerful display of Joseph's faithfulness is not in any of the things that we've just mentioned, but it's in the forgiveness that he offers to his brothers. When he finally reveals himself to them, he says, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. God sent me before you to preserve life. So great is Joseph's faith that he is able to see God's hand in all things, even through the painful, hurtful actions of his brothers, his betrayers, and his enemies. So great is Joseph's faith in God's goodness and providence that he not only forgives his brothers their offenses, but he embraces them and then he blesses them and their families. They cursed him, he blessed them. They hated and begrudged him, he loved and forgave them. They tried to take away his life. He suffered for their sake and gave them life in return. Does that sound familiar? It should. Joseph is every bit a type of our Lord Jesus Christ, prefigured in the Old Testament. The faith of one man blesses entire nations. That's how powerful faith is. Imagine what God can accomplish with the faith of two or three, or an entire community. God's goodness and his loving plan of redemption are always at work, never ceasing to move forward. The question always remains for us. Do we trust him? Do we believe in him? Do we have faith? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you this day for the faithfulness of your servant, Joseph. We pray, Lord, that when we think about the ways that we have been mistreated, hurt, deceived, or betrayed, when we think on the fresh wounds in our hearts, those times when we have suffered for doing what is right, we pray that you would help us to see your hand at work in our lives, gently guiding us. Help us to have the faith of Joseph faith in you in the midst of adversity, to not doubt you in those critical moments of anxiety, fear, or despair. And inspired by your faithfulness, we pray that you would give us the strength and the courage and the love to forgive those who have hurt us, knowing that you are always working all things for the good of those who love you. In Jesus' name, amen.